Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Come on, one more time. Give it up for yourselves this anniversary Sunday. Man, what a wonderful time to be in the house of the Lord with you guys. I drove up from uh, Fort Worth, a quick drive, you know, a little quick story. I, I was driving up. The last time I came up, I drove up in the morning. And I, I got to a certain point in the drive, you know, I'm coming from Fort Worth, and, I, and uh, eventually I got about almost two hours left, and I start going down some roads and talk about these tall, beautiful trees. I could smell the pine, you know. Kind of reminds me that when I drive up home, you know, I, I grew up in Missouri, so we have pine trees. I don't know where all the pine trees are in Texas. I, they're, they're somewhere, but I can't smell them, you know. And so I'm driving up, and it's just beautiful, you know. And, and that first drive, man, I just, it was gorgeous. And I got here, and it was great. And uh, so I'm like, hey, the second time, I'm like, I'm driving up again. I can't wait. going to do this. I drive a little, I leave a little later this time, though. I leave a little later. I have some things to do. I had to do a little Christmas. If you guys watch Daystar, the, the Christmas special comes out. You know, we, did, we record the Christmas special that same day. So I did that and then got in my car and drove on up. And it got a little dark before I got here. And I got down those same beautiful, you know, little roads. It was pitch black <laughs> for about... Two hours straight. <laughs> but I made it here safely, and I'm telling you, I am enjoying myself, enjoying my time of hanging out with your, your pastor and his awesome family, wife, and we've, we've had a few dinners, and uh, we, we ate at the golf club. We didn't play golf, which is for the, it's for the better good of the city that I don't, <laughs> I don't play. I have, I have some golf clubs, but they're not even in a bag. They're just loosely laying in the garage uh, collecting cobwebs and everything, but I'm so glad to be here with you guys. You know, so in preparing to come, um, let me just say, so this is five years, and there's a lot of different celebrations going on. It's all culminating into this one community, and I'm telling you, what I love, every time I sit down with your pastor, he tells me more stories than he did the time before, and I am more blown away by all the things. We walked around this facility yesterday and just the way God has put things together, there's no way you can doubt what God is doing in this church. Like, no, no way at all. Like, I'm telling you right now, this listening, last time he told me stories, this time he told me stories, and I'm like, listen, I can't wait to come back again. I know you got another story, set of stories for me, and, uh, but I, I'm just so excited, and I feel pretty special that I get to celebrate this with y'all, and I'm like, man, what, how did I get this opportunity to celebrate your anniversary, not just to lead you guys in worship, but also to get to talk to y'all. Oh, man, what an honor. You guys don't realize how special you guys are. Not because I'm here, you're special. I, I'm honored to be here with you guys. It means a lot to me to do this. Um, and so I, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer and preparing our hearts for what God's about to, to impart this morning. And I just want you to get ready because I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really going to preach. I've got something I want to give you. Okay. I got something I, I want to share with you. I don't want you to hear it. I want you to receive it. 
You guys ready to receive? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're about to impart in this house. For every person who's been praying and waiting for an answer, you've got a great answer today. Our, our, our hearts are open. Our minds are still. We set aside every distraction right now, and we focus for these next few moments, not just what you want to say to everybody, but what you want to say to me, to each individual. And we surrender this room to the leading of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a, a subject that means a lot to me. I, um, I've, I've, I've had my journey growing up as a, as a Christian, as a believer. My father was a pastor. Any PKs in here? The PKs? I'm so sorry, guys. Sorry, Winston. I hope things get better from here. <laughs> I'm a PK. I'm the good one, though. My brothers, they're all crazy, right? One thing about growing up in church, especially as a PK, is sometimes you don't realize um, how much you need God. And it's just for me, you know. I grew up in church, and I... My parents told me to act safe, so I just thought I was. You know, if you grew up like I did, like, you, you know, you had to follow not just the rules of the house, but the rules of the Bible. So my father had rules like, you know, y'all couldn't do this, couldn't do that, and they were all Christian rules. And so we, you know, we couldn't listen. When I was a kid, we couldn't listen to anything but Christian music, gospel music. My father called anything that was not recorded by a Christian or gospel artist, rock and roll, no matter what the genre was. It didn't matter what it is. I, was, I remember I was listening to a contemporary Christian gospel group called Commissioned, and they sound a little bit different than, the, than like the old school music, like, you know, and my father just, just called it rock and roll. They turned that rock and roll. Like, first of all, it's not rock and roll. That's a genre. Um, my, and we just have all these things. But I kind of, I took... I kind of took these things for granted. You know, especially when you're coming to church all the time and you're in this environment where everyone's praying and all that kind of stuff, you kind of, you know, if, you, if you're not careful, you start to feel like you're doing better than what you really are. You know, because, you know, you, you, if, especially if you start comparing yourself to the folks down the street, because you know the folks down the street, they're crazy. You guys all have it. The folks down the street, they don't go to church. Their kids run all over the place barefoot. They don't have, you know, they, you know, just everybody's all over the place, beer bottles on the front lawn. It's like, well, that ain't us. You know, we go to church. We go to one community, and we don't do all that kind of stuff. But you kind of start forgetting that it's really not about all those outward things. There's something so much deeper than your behavior. And many of us, we struggle because we, we, have we have reduced our walk with God down to our behavior. And you forget the fact that we are human beings, not human doings. And we, have, we've, we, we sometimes miss the power of being a believer. And we try to do believer. It's like, 
doing a son. You can't do a son. You are a son. If you saw my father, I couldn't deny it. I've got his freckles. I'm the only one that got them. I don't have to do these freckles, obviously. They, they're doing me. They're doing more and more every time I look up and see it. And, so, and, and with us as, as sons and daughters of God, I want you to understand this. That you are the righteousness of God. For every believer in this room, whatever your past is, it's in the past. And as a believer, whatever mistakes you make, they're different now. Like the, the way you walk today, it's not, it's not going to be without, without its flaws. It's not going to be without mistakes. You're going to have some issues, but you, you are, you're, not, you're not failing, you're learning. And, and when you have this journey, I believe this is one of the things that I, I know the, that the enemy tries to do with us. And we have this tendency to think so much about what we do and how we perform because we think our Christianity is being judged by the pastor at church or by the people in the small group. This is the reason why, to all my fellow married folks in the room, we put our best behavior on when we get in public. Can you imagine being in a small group and, and having the same argument you had in the car? <laughs> and, you know, don't we argue over some of the stupidest stuff? I told you take a left turn. You should have took a left turn. I know where I'm going, baby. You forget, you know what I'm saying? Why did I start talking like that? Just <laughs> I've been living in Texas too long, yo. And we, all, we almost think that if I behaved the right way, I've done my Christian duty. But what I want to talk about this morning is that it's not about what you do, it's who you are, and it's about whose you are. See, God has put his mark on you. I'm going to talk, you, your students got to stay, right? So all the students are here. Let me hear the students make some noise. All the high school students. Wow, you guys are cool. Y'all don't talk in church unless you're not supposed to. <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you're, I, I love this because I, I, this has happened to me. If you're in this church and your parents are in this church, you are marked, man. You, you've heard the gospel. You've been exposed to the presence of God. You will never be the same again. And just as an aside, I just pray victory over everything in your life. Everything you do, God's going to lead and direct your path. You're not going to stray. God's going to use you to be an evangelist to your community. Come on, to your, to your peers. And you will not wait to be bold. I got a rhyme for you. You don't have to be old to be bold. And that's for free. Y'all could just take that. <laughs> but it's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And God does not fellowship with your behaviors. Just, just, just walk with me here. God does not fellowship with your behavior. He fellowships with you. 
Any of y'all got kids? Oh, yeah. So y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I, don't, I, I fellowship with my kids. You know, when I, when I kiss my son on the head and tell him I love him and put him to bed, you know what I don't do? I don't remind him of all the dumb stuff he did. Parenting 101. <laughs> I, I, I tell my kids I love them because they're my kids. And I understand that a good relationship is more powerful than behavior. And a leading indication to a changed child is love. I can't change. I can't make you do nothing, but I can love you. And the way God has loved us is so incredible. And if we can ever get this in our hearts and our minds and accept this, maybe, listen, you will stop beating yourself up for the marriage that didn't work out. And I'm not talking about you just did the wrong thing. I'm saying things fell apart, got out of control. And, and some of us, if we're honest, we'll say, you know what? It was my fault. I did it. But you know what? <laughs> Thank God for his grace. <laughs> Listen, I don't have to be ashamed of my past. I can receive the grace of Jesus right now and move into my future. Somebody say amen to that. Look at your husband and say amen. <laughs> Come on. This is a, a story I want to I just use this, and I'm going to talk about intimacy with God. Um, that was my introduction. I'm going to move into the message now. If you look at Exodus, I'm going to start with this. We're going to get into Exodus 7 through 11. But before we go there, I want to just kind of set the scene a little bit. So this story is amazing. In Exodus 24, Moses goes to the mountain with God. And in short, he's going to get the Ten Commandments. The way he gets it this first time is God actually takes these stones and he, and he, and he writes on these stones, the Ten Commandments, personally hands them back to Moses and says, take these to these folks. And while this is going on, while Moses is on the mountain hearing from God, and everyone knows where he went, right? Everyone knows this. Everyone saw him. They saw the cloud. They saw the smoke. They were freaked out when they saw it. They were like, we ain't going up there. You go by yourself. And Moses goes to the mountain. He goes to talk with God. And, and while he's up there, the people get restless, and, and they do something. I would say it's strange, but I don't know that it's so strange. It might be familiar. They get tired of waiting on Moses to come back with a word from God, and they say, you know what? I got a word. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not going to wait on the word. I'm going to make one. And they go to Aaron and say, Aaron, hey, we don't know where that guy Moses is. He might not come back. So would you, let's do something else. Let's, let's, we're going to collect some gold, and, 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 and they, they come up with this strategy, and, and Aaron jumps right into it with them, and they, and they make some gold, a golden calf out of all the jewelry, which is crazy. This is all the gold that God blessed them with. Isn't that nuts? They, took, they take everything that God miraculously gave them from Egypt, and they make a false god out of it. That's a rabbit trail if I ever seen one, ain't it? Let's resist, okay? Not going to go there. But they take all the provision of God, they make a, a golden calf, and they worship it. And then here's what's funny. God says, Moses, quickly, you need to get down there. Then he says, what y'all talk, when, when, when your kids are acting up, you know, the, typically 
moms will always say, these are my babies. Until they get that call from school. Then they say, uh, Joe, you need to go get your kids. <laughs> That's your side of the family up there, right? <laughs> so God does this. God says, you need to go get your people. And he says it again in, in, in Exodus 33. He says, the people that you brought out of Egypt, <laughs> Moses, I'm not claiming them right now. Go down there. And they get close, and Joshua's like, what is that? Is that what is that sound? And Moses like, that sounds like celebration. And, and they see this debaucherous idol worship going on. And you know, listen, I, I, I'm, I've got to stop you just because I think as you're walking through the scripture, I, I know where we're going, but along the way, we're going to just drop a few things that I think will be helpful. If the Lord has told you to wait, wait. They did not realize that they were about to get a, a, a God-engraved set of tablets that would set them apart from the world and that God was going to go before them and that his presence was going to be with them. And in the waiting, sometimes we lose perspective. In the waiting, sometimes we think that God is too distant to fulfill his promise. It's been too long. Maybe it's too late. Maybe I've gone too far. Maybe I should come up with another plan. I just think we need to take lessons out of this page. And, and Paul tells us to look at the example of the children of Israel and not to repeat it. And one of the things I don't think we need to repeat that many of us have repeated one too many times is coming up with a plan B. I've learned this. The best thing you can do is wait on plan A. If, you, if, if, if plan B has already been activated, just get on out of that plan, okay? Because God's got something better for you. Don't compromise what God told you. I know it gets tough. But, you know, there are things you can do to occupy yourself while you wait. And, and I think if we get into doing more of those things, maybe we won't be so frustrated. Sometimes we're so frustrated because while we're waiting, we're just watching TV. Come on. Filling our mind with a bunch of imaginations from people who don't know God. Talking to people who don't have a relationship with God ain't going to help you wait on God. It's, 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 it's right when you're in that critical position that one of your idiot friends has some terrible advice for you. Listen, let me just give y'all a little secret. Let me just tell y'all something. I tell my son this all the time. Your friends are stupid. <laughs> They're just as confused as you are. You know, I, you know we get, I get on the internet every now and again. We all tend to do that nowadays, right? I see these videos, people talking about relationships. You know what baffles me? It baffles me how many single people are experts on marriage. <laughs> I'm blown away by this. And what it, what it really gets me is people who have been married six times telling us exactly how to do it. It's like, um, pardon me. I think you're on a roll in the opposite direction. I don't think you, 
You can tell me how not to do it. And we have to make sure that we don't allow certain things into our space while we're waiting on God. Well, this is all happening. Moses gets down, and I'll kind of skip through the story a little bit. It's an interesting story. Because Moses is very angry when this goes down. And, and, and if you guys, you know, if you guys know what I mean, like he, he threw those tablets down, smashed them. He took the golden calf, ground it into powder, put it in the water, and said, drink it. That was, that's crazy. That's worse than what my dad did. <laughs> my dad took my brother. He, so I told you about the rock and roll, right? So my father had bought my brothers these, these nice boom boxes. Well, they weren't really boom boxes. They were boom boxes, you know, small. And he told them, don't listen to rock and roll on these radios. And so they thought they were going to be slick and they, they slept in the basement and they would turn on, you know, the, the late night, you know, whatever that station is, you like, I don't know what it is. They listen to this music. It was called Magic 108. Ain't nothing good on that. <laughs> they turn on Magic 108. My father, I don't know. This was, must have been the Holy Spirit because these old houses, the steps always creak, but that night they didn't. He came downstairs and he caught them and he told, he wanted to let them know how serious he was. He took those radios that he purchased into the backyard and he took a hammer to them. I mean, it was his money, I guess. <laughs> and he, but, but, okay, that's just to compare, not as bad as what Moses did with the gold and everything, okay? But, but, but he, he made him, and this all goes down. Now, Moses is so angry, and then he says, you know what? I want to go to God, and we're going to see about this. And he goes to God, and he starts to talk with God, and, and he starts to pray. He asks God something incredible. God says, I'm going to kill everybody. And then, you know, and then, and then Moses says, please, God, don't. Would you please spare them? I mean, they're yours. They're going to make fun of us. If they hear that you got out here and we all died, please. And he pleads with God. And the Bible says something that's mysterious to us, that God changed his judgment. I, I, listen, I've heard people dialogue about this. Let me just explain exactly what it means for God to change his mind, okay? You ready? How many of you guys would want to know what that means? I'm going to tell you what it means. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm not that smart. <laughs> oh, this is what I do know. I know this. God can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and, and I know this about God. He's a merciful God. And he's a God who answers his children when they pray. And I know this. I know this by experience. Sometimes... He doesn't allow your consequences to be as bad as they should be. And then sometimes he gives you more blessings than you ever earned or deserved. Somebody say amen to that. So God says, okay, I'll change my mind about that, but I'm not going with you. You can have the promise, but you can't have my presence. Because if you test me, I might change my mind again. And then he tells the children of Israel that. And, and just interesting enough, they are so sad. They realize how, how wrong they were, how bad this was. And, they, they, and I think many of us, we don't know what it's like to feel like, I think, you know, it's like when David says, don't, don't, let, your, don't let your spirit leave me. Don't take your, your spirit from me after he sinned with Bathsheba. 
And you know what that feeling is like after you've done something so wrong and you, you realize, I think I've gone too far this time. So this is what happens, and this is where I want to get. This is Exodus 33, verse 7. In the middle of this story, I've so taken so much time to lay out for y'all. It's a lot of drama going on, right? Y'all agree? A lot of drama going on. And in the middle of that, the narrative pauses for just a moment for these few verses. And then these verses read, read as though. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their tents, and they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and, and hover over the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 10, when the people saw the cloud standing at, um, at the entrance of their tent, they would, set, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents. Verse 11, inside the tent, everyone say inside the tent. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, his name was Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind him in the tent of meeting. Here is what I want to just take a moment to talk about. Has anybody been through any chaos this year? Maybe it wasn't like this. I'm, but has anybody been through some crazy stuff this year? Like, what in the world is going on right now? I mean, I've, been, I've, I've had some things happening to me this year that made me think, uh, God, what? You didn't warn me about this. I thought it would go this way. It's going a, a total different direction, and I need to know what's going on. Well, what's happening in Moses' life is in the middle of chaos, we get verse 7 that pauses from the story about the chaos and says, Moses, practice. I think this is interesting because I think many of us, we, we have this, this phrase, rise to the occasion. Right? You ever heard of that? When, 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 the, when the going gets tough and the tough get going, you know, I'm going to rise to the occasion. Here's the reality of it. You never rise to the occasion. You fall to your practice. Moses, in the middle of chaos, the Bible stops to tell us about his prayer life. And explain and give us context for the way that Moses would talk to God told us about the tent and where he would go, how intentional he was, how people would watch, how God responded. And inside the tent, God talked to him like friends. I want you to know that in the hardest moments of your life, brother, God's invitation still stands. And there, there, listen, you've probably heard this. You're either in a test, about to go into a test, or you're on your way out of one. But the best way to prepare 
is before the test, develop a practice. For every new believer in here, if you don't know how to do anything else, I think the most important thing you can ever learn to do is what you did when you became believers, pray. And let me tell you what prayer is not. Prayer is not a formula, because there, no, there, there, there are so many different kinds of prayers in the Bible that you, it's hard to pick which one you should do. But let me tell you, sometimes prayer can just be one word, Jesus. Let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. It's not just communication with God. It is, it is intimate communication with God. It is insider communication with God. Anybody can talk to God, but not anybody can have an intimate conversation. Listen, I, I'm telling you, anybody can walk up to me on the street and I'll, I'll be courteous. But if it's my wife, I got a whole different response. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's, that was just, you know, just kind of came... <laughs> <laughs> I wish she was here, but that way she'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> but because of the intimacy in the relationship, my response is different. I want you to know this, that God loves you so much that when you kneel to talk to him, even when your words are jumbled and they make no sense, he hears them. And what's amazing about a practice, listen, listen, a practice doesn't need to be perfect. Somebody ought to write that down. Just put that on your mirror. Moses was anything but perfect. Moses had got through throwing the tablets down. He's mad. He's huffing and puffing. He's making people drink gold dust water. I mean, he's, he's beside himself. What does that prayer sound like? Oh, God, these people are driving me mad. I mean, that's fine. I want you to tell you something. God can handle whatever your mood is. Here's the thing. Moses has a practice. And however imperfect your practice is, it's still powerful. Somebody say amen to that. So here's what he did. He pitched a tent. He didn't start pitching tents when things got bad. He did this all the time. As a matter of fact, you just, just, can you walk with me on this? That next morning when he woke up, he said, listen, and this is kind of, I'm going to be Moses, like the daddy Moses, okay? Listen, I'm going to talk to God, and when I get back, y'all better have this house clean. How y'all talk to y'all kids? And then he goes back, and they watch him, and he's going back, and he's getting this. All right. And they're like, oh, he's getting a tent. They know what happens when he gets the tent. He's getting his tent. He's packing up. Joshua's there with him. He's like, okay, you need any help, uh, Moses? He's like, yeah, just grab that over there. Grab those stakes. We'll get all this stuff. And they start taking a walk. And everyone's watching Moses and that kid Joshua following him. They don't even know who Joshua's about to be. You just, I just wanted to let y'all know there's some kids around here that might be the next pastor of one community. Y'all be careful. Y'all treat them right. He gets out there, and they put the whole tent together. Now everyone's expectation 
is shifting to what Moses' prayer life produces. He pitches the tent. The word pitch means to spread. He opens the tent, spreads it out, sets it up, goes inside of it. And when people see that, this passage tells us they step to the edges of their entrances with expectation because they understood one thing. Yeah, we make mistakes, but that man has an ear and an audience with the Lord. We, we're in expectation of what God's about to do. Man, he prayed. Listen, I want to let y'all know this. The greatest influence you can ever have is not in this room. It's not at the courthouse, and it sure went at the White House. <laughs> I didn't mean nothing by that, no shade on nobody. I just said, the greatest influence you have is in heaven. So Moses... He steps into his practice in the tent. Here's one thing. He didn't go to church. He went to his tent. Okay, so for those of y'all who want to follow me, Moses is in the middle of just getting all the instructions to build the tabernacle where the presence of God would dwell, where all the furniture would dwell in the holy place. All this, y'all know about the tabernacle, right? And that was not built yet. And the emphasis here is it ain't about going to the church house. It's about having prayer in your house. He has his own tent. Before they build a big tent for everybody, Moses has a personal tent. It's just good stuff all in the word, isn't it? That's number one. He pitched his tent. What happened in the tent? Listen, however he presented himself to to, to God, this is what happened. God spoke to Moses face to face like friends. And this is something that baffles me because, you know, God is, is holy. But what God does in your prayer life is that he listens to you like a friend. Oh, no, he's still God. He's still Abba. He's still the Father. He's still in charge. He's still sovereign. He's still Elohim. He's still Adonai. He's still all those things. He's still Yah. He's all of that, but he listens from a place of mercy, like a friend. You know what a friend does? Ladies, when y'all talk to y'all friends, you know what happened to me? Yeah, girl, what happened? Thank you know he told me that I, that I, that I, that I, and, and, and you just, yeah, and what? Guys, if you ever want to make your, your women feel special when they talk to you, just give them these responses. Is that right? Oh, tell me some more. Like, I'm telling you. <laughs> and in the middle of all that, ask her, you want some tea? Because, like, you know, it encourages her. Ladies, am I telling the truth? It would be a weird night if y'all did that. Let me tell y'all. I'm just joking. Don't do that. But don't do this. Don't do that either, right? But God listens with compassion to Moses. And they meet face to face. I want you to know the guy wants to meet with you face to face. What that says is you matter to him. 
And last thing, Moses' intimacy with God impacted the next generation. Your prayer life is not just for you. Somebody's watching. Somebody's listening. One of my initiatives in life is to change the narrative for men. And I've grown up, and most of us can say, man, if it wasn't for my grandmother praying for us, we'd all be lost. But I want my kids to say, thank God for my grandmother. I thank God for my granddad. I want my boys to remember what it sound like in the morning for them to wake up to the sound of their father praying in his room. Joshua would follow Moses. And it wasn't just what Moses did outside of the tent that impacted Joshua. It was what he did inside. Because verse 11 says, when Moses left the tent, Joshua stayed. And I wonder what he did. You ever see kids play church? Because, listen, people, they don't, they, don't, they don't form their lives around what you say. They form their lives around what you model. This is why you got to be careful when you're on the phone after work talking about people, when you're on the way home from church talking about Sister Susie and what shoes she wore and how weird they looked. Because our kids are watching our demonstration. And some of the spankings y'all giving out is your fault because you taught them to be that way. And what God's trying to establish through you, Moses, because all of you guys are a type of Moses, is God wants you to practice intimacy with him so that he can talk to you because he loves you and be the friend that you need and give you the blessing that he's promised to you. And also that blessing is going to overflow into the next generation because they're, they're eavesdropping in on the prayer. If I had to pause your current narrative and then describe your practice, what would it sound like? What would I say? What would your kids say if that described your intimacy with God? Listen, it ain't too late. This ain't too late. See, because this is an invitation that still stands. I love this passage in Psalms 27, verse 7 and 8 says, Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Can you hear the invitation of the Holy Spirit to y'all right now? Saying, Come and talk to me. It don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. There's three things you need. You need a tent. That means you need a place. You need a tent. The things about a tent is it's intentional. You don't pray on on accident. You pray on purpose. Moses had 
a place. Let me tell you, Jesus had a place too. Mark 1.35 says Jesus would wake up early in the morning, just like Moses. Isn't that good? And he would go to a, a secluded, isolated place, and he would pray. If Moses could do it, and if Jesus modeled it, how about us? Somebody say amen to that. I hope this is getting you because I'm, I'm closing. You need a place. You need a time. I'm telling you right now, here's something here. I won't labor on this. But if Jesus is the only one that can't get on your calendar, here's what's, here's what's interesting to me. Everybody else is on the calendar. The job's on the calendar. The doctor's on the calendar. Whoever else is on the calendar. Your, your mother-in-law is on the calendar. But with Jesus, we're going to play it by ear. I got to come down here because I don't know if y'all heard what I did. Everybody else that you schedule lunch with, they get on your calendar. What Jesus has to wait and see. The God that brought you out of your Egypt is on a wait list. Oh, no, your girlfriends, y'all got the girls trip planned three months out. We going hunting, planned three months out. You've already got everything set up in the garage. You got everything, you got the boat ready, whatever the trip, it's ready. With God, he knows my heart. What in the world? Let me tell you how many ways I would be divorced right now if I told my wife that every time it was time to go out for our anniversary. She knows my heart. Did you make any plans? <laughs> you know my heart. <laughs> let's, go to, uh, let's go to Applebee's, baby. <laughs> you know my heart. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. It ain't going to work. And why is it that as great and merciful and gracious as God is, that he's got to know your heart when you're asking him for a miracle? He's got to know your heart and be patient with you until you get good and ready to talk to him about what you need him to do for you. When every breath you take is from the heart of God himself. What I love about that is God's not an honorary guy standing up there saying, you ain't going to pray with me, you tell you what, I'm going. God is so patient and he's so loving that he waits and he keeps the invitation open. God is like, is like the prodigal's father standing outside saying, any day now, whenever you show up, I'm going to be on the porch with the light on, waiting. You need a time. Last but not least, you need a rhythm. See, a practice is not established until there's a rhythm. To say, I have a prayer life when you prayed once, you prayed. But you, when you establish a practice, you develop influence in heaven. The reason Moses could get God to change his mind is because he wasn't visiting the Lord that day. I'm going to close this so y'all don't get nervous because y'all, it's like it's almost 12 o'clock, Brother Bethany. Bethany. 
I was going to sing another song. I don't know if I got enough time to do that. I'm like, I got enough time to do it. To tell you all this last story. Years ago, I, I, I uh, have something in common with your pastor. and we, I was an electrical designer. I don't do that anymore, but he's an electrician. I'm an electrical designer. I was working for this electrical contractor, and I was a head designer. And uh, the Lord really convicted me and told me he wanted me to go down to this church and pray every day. So I would go down to this little church called Faith Church, and it was before, they, they've really blown up since then. They've got all these wonderful campuses. But back then, they had, well, they had one campus. And in this, in this church, they had this room. It was the prayer room. And you go inside the room, you open the door, there's like this little curtain, like vestibule, I guess. And you open it up. And that way that the light from the, from the lobby doesn't get into the prayer room and distract people while they're praying. So you open up the door, you shut the door behind you, and then you go through the curtain. And when you go through this curtain, it's just one room. At the end of the room, you see this altar that's been burning for years with, with candles and the wax. Is, is, it's literally over my head all the way to the floor, running down the floor, wax from years of prayer. You can't see the table anymore. It's so much wax, and they would cut out new holes for new candles. Big old Bible in the corner, and a little radio where they were playing Benny Hinn music. That's how I call it. I don't know why I got so many jokes this morning. I'm just just regular comedian. And man, testimonies all over the walls of miracles that God had done over the years. And God told me, go to this room and pray every day at 12 o'clock during your lunch break. That meant I didn't go to Subway. I went to prayer. And I went day after day after day. Some of those days, I went to that prayer room. You know what I did? What's your name, man? Eric, you know what I did? I went to sleep. Some of those days I got in there, man, I felt like the the room was moving. I could feel the power of God. I felt like a revival preacher. And some of those days it was a sweet presence of God. One day I'm in the middle of the room on my knees, and I hear the Holy Spirit tell me in St. Louis, Missouri. It's actually Fenton, Missouri, but I lived in St. Louis, and he said, Michael moved to Dallas, Texas. And I was like, huh? What's that? I know I'm praying, but are you talking to me? The Lord told me to move to Dallas. Listen, I won't unpack that whole story, but here's a question, because you know I moved to Dallas, as you know. And what God has done has blown my mind. I had no idea what he had for me. Listen, I'm getting emotional when I talk about this. I had no idea that God wanted to take this mother would tell me at church, this older lady, God's going to use you. He's going to take you all over this world. He's going to use you to preach the gospel. You're going to sing. You're going to go all over the world. And I'm like, me? How? How me? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I've been all over that world. This year I've been to London twice. I've been to South Africa, Nigeria. I've I've been to Cuba. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've, I've been to Tokyo. I've, I've been to Sri Lanka. I've, I've, been, I've been a little bit everywhere. Everything she said happened after I met with God in prayer. Let me ask y'all something. How many days did it take to get to that one day for God to tell me one thing that would change the rest of my life? i ask y'all another question. Does it even matter? How many days are you willing to be consistent, 
to come to God to hear one thing that will change the rest of your life. You don't need 50 things. You only need one. But to get the one thing, you need a rhythm. When you establish a rhythm, this is how God describes that. God rewards faithfulness. If you, if you started tithing, keep on tithing. If you started praying, keep on praying. If you start forgiving people, keep on forgiving people because God will reward those who diligently seek him. He won't leave you out. I want to sing this song because I want to give you all some homework assignment. I want you to designate a time. I want you to find a place and establish a rhythm. I guarantee you, my brother, your life will never be the same again. I want to share this song with y'all. This is your last homework assignment. When you get to that time, that place, I want y'all to listen to this song called Walk With You. And I'm not advertising. I'm, tell, I'm testifying. Through the pandemic, I journaled what God was telling me in my prayer room. And I had these lyrics in my journal finally recorded from the journal and people's lives all over the world are being changed by a song describing what happens in my prayer life in my little prayer closet my prayer today is that what God's done for me in private will be multiplied publicly in El Dorado Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.